following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome back to another exciting edition of Stories from the Sideline. Uh, with me today, as always, my co-pilot, Matt. Matt, how's it going today? Great. Any uh, fun? I heard you had a fun fantasy football draft over the weekend. I did. Fa- uh, drafting your team. Drafting my team. Don't you love it when other people do your work? I'm not going to lie. I was on vacation. Uh, I was on my honeymoon, thank you very much, in a lovely re- uh, resort in the Dominican Republic. Um, and Matt was nice enough to draft my football team for me. And when I checked my actual team, um, Matt, can I tell you how happy I was with the team that you drafted me, especially since I was drafting in the 12th out of 12 position. So thank you so much. How did it go, though? It wasn't that bad, actually. It was pretty seamless. Um, It only took like an hour, really. An hour? Yeah. I usually take an hour to make my first pick. That's fantastic that it only went that long. So if I win the league this year, you're definitely going to get a little bit of a finder's fee. Um, but that is fantastic. Um, so uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for that. And back with us today for, what is this, your your 10th time, 12th time, 20th time? I've lost track at this point. <laughs> As always, the lovely Megan Doyle is with us. Um, she was kind enough to help us out and come back and share more stories from the sideline. Always. Um, Megan, can I tell you, too, how excited I am of the start of fall sports season? I love this time of year. Um, It's just, it's all about just getting teams together, getting your practices together, getting to know your kids, getting to see your returning kids. Um, I know you're coaching, you're, you're doing me another huge favor and bumping up and coaching JV soccer. Because after your three years of modified experience, you're bumping up and coaching JV soccer with us this year for Ken East. Um, how are you liking it so far? I mean, I'm here also doing your work, Larry. Um. Everybody does my work. It's good to be the king. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been great. Um, very nervous to start, but it's been like seeing girls I haven't seen since pre-COVID. It's been so nice. Yeah, now um, our varsity and JV soccer teams went on last year, but Modified was canceled for you last year. So I know some of you, some of your girls are either up with me as ninth graders or um, how was that last year when you had to uh, deal with kids, deal with parents, especially returning players from the Modified where you had to tell them there was going to be no season? So honestly, I think a lot of them heard it from you guys on Varsity and JV, um, where I think I only had two or three parents reach out to me. And it all went over well. Like, they took it well. But I think I just felt so bad because I that's so heartbreaking. You're not having your season. and Oh, for sure. Yeah. I know um, the when I coached track and field, the, the season prior to that for spring season, we got canceled. <clears throat> and I know it was um, when we finally got the word um, into the season that we were officially canceled. Um, it was probably the the toughest thing I had to do when I got my girls together on the track team and, and the guys together and just said, hey, listen, um, there's going to be no season this year. 
Uh, I know, especially with um, some of my senior throwers, uh, um, that they were they were heartbroken. Yeah. And for me, it was there were some of these girls that I have coached since seventh grade, eighth grade, freshman year. I had them. It would have been their senior year. Um, some of them were definitely excited to, uh, you know, continue their progress. You know, I know one of my throwers, um, Grace, she was, she finished eighth in sectionals the year before. This was really a year we thought her senior year, she could compete for a sectional title, um, patch, which is getting in the top three in sectionals. And it was taken away from her before she even had a chance to start. And it was, it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking, um, to have to tell her that uh i know we if we the season officially started in on march 3rd march 7th we got sent home the teams got uh, all spring sports got sent home but there was still the the hope that we could still get a season in so a lot of my girls to give them credit um we ended up doing practices online i was literally we were we were practicing it was zoom calls where i was zooming with them from my basement they were at their houses. We were doing different conditioning drills for the throwers. We were doing different form drills, and it was every practice. It was well. Let's wait next week. Let's wait next week. And I think we finally got the word. Um, I want to say the second or third week of April, where it was finally the season is officially canceled. And again, it was it was heartbreaking. Uh, we had we ended up having our banquet online which, again, was something I never thought I'd have to do. But, you know, it was, it was great just to give the seniors at least that, at least a chance to, to tell their stories, at least a chance to see everybody one last time, even if it was virtual. And it was, uh, it was difficult, but I like to think we at least made it fun for them, as fun as possible mm-hmm. for them. So that was uh, now that I've got everybody crying and everybody yeah, teary-eyed. No, and, the same thing, I, I was coaching in lacrosse at that time, and I was with JV, but on our varsity team, we had 11 seniors, and they had all started playing together at the same time, like, in elementary school, and that was going to be their year, like, they'd never won a championship before, like, that was the year they were going to do it, and it was just taken away. And yeah, and it's, I mean, it's bad enough, I mean, I'm, I'm, I know as coaches, I know as players, we've had seasons taken away from us, some <laughs> players have had, you know, senior injuries, yeah. Um but this was something completely different. It was something that was taken from you, and it was nothing. It was outside your control entirely. But I will say the next season, so the season we just had, I'm like, I think our girls played so much harder because they knew that. And there were so many times, like the seniors this year, we were talking about how last year's seniors had that taken away, and they just came out so much harder and so much stronger, where like it really motivated them to like give it them all every day, which was oh. amazing <laughs> no. but <laughs> and that's what you want to see from kids yeah. you love seeing that bounce back you love seeing that resiliency yeah um you love seeing that just hey we something terrible happened last year mm-hmm. let's go out and do this for the senior class let's do yeah. this for the the class of 2020 and for ourselves too yeah. so um it's it's always definitely great to see uh teams kids coaches rally behind um behind a tragedy um so that's awesome uh, speaking of starts of the season, which I know for me, and I've been coaching, um, uh, ooh, I think this is, I don't know, year 16, 17, 18. I think I started actually coaching varsity sports in 2003, 2002 to 2003. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but even at the beginning of every season now, I still am 
uber anxious. <laughs> I still uh, I still get that a little bit of that anxiety. I still get that uh, happy, excited feeling. But at the same time, it's just, okay, I know my returning players are going to come. Who else am I going to get new? Who else is going to fill in the spots for the seniors that left last year? What's our league going to look like? Um, what's practice schedule is going to look like? Is there anything new um, this year in particular? What's What are the protocols going to be in place? Mm-hmm. Um, so I know for me, I even though I get uh, I've been doing it now, for some might say way too long, um, but it's just you get that anxious feeling. Um, how about you guys? Do you guys at the start of any season, do you guys get that anxious anxious feeling, that ready-to-go feeling, or is it just all excitement, let's go, here we go, even as, as players or coaches? What do you guys usually get at the start of each season? Well, <laughs> I'm always riddled with anxiety, so... <laughs> um, it's, I think it's funny you're always riddled with anxieties, <laughs> but you always do a tremendous job. So uh, it's the anxiety that keeps me going. There you me. go. But I mean, honestly, soccer is so much worse for me, especially this year. And I can't even explain to you. Like last Sunday before we had tryouts, I was a wreck. <laughs> and I think it's just I like we've talked about. I don't know soccer. I'm like it was the one sport I just really never played. Never knew anything about so coming in at that next level i was super nervous (laughs) super nervous but i can tell you already you've been doing an outstanding job even the even the two or three days that i was there um to practice with you um even the feedback that i've heard from the girls um keep doing what you're doing as always because you've really been and i know i've been hearing a lot of good feedback from the years that you've done modified so um megan you're you're a soccer coach, all uh, right? I think you've been adopted into the soccer community. <laughs> I'm sure as as going through college, playing the lacrosse in, in, in college and everything, I'm sure in the back of your mind was like, you know what? I'm just meant to be a, a soccer coach. I never, <laughs> I never would have thought. My family thinks it's the funniest thing, too. Like when I first told them I was hired as a ca- soccer coach, they were like, what? <laughs> you? Soccer? But now we were talking a little bit about this earlier when we were going over some drills and stuff. Um, there's there's some similarities to oh, to yeah. attacks, to formations, to um, to skill wise. There there is some similarities to lacrosse and soccer, is there not? Oh, absolutely. And I think especially like with spacing and just field play. Like we were talking about three v twos. I'm like, it's the exact same thing for lacrosse. <laughs> yeah, and going over some of the drills, I'm like, just do this. They're like, oh, I've done that in lacrosse. Yeah. Oh, I've done, and it's. It really is. I think there's a lot of stuff that translates from sport to sport. So hopefully for you, um, it's been a bit of a seamless transition. Like I said, you might be nervous on the inside, but it's never shown on the outside. Oh, I so. hope not. <laughs> no. My, my fear is they're going to figure out this podcast exists, and that's like my big secret is I don't let them know I don't know soccer. <laughs> <laughs> I pretend like I've been playing for years. I know exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> well, let's say, again... You know more about soccer now than when I started as a swimming and diving coach <laughs> and knew absolutely I could spell swimming and diving, and that was about it. So, But uh, there's a saying in coaching, just never let them – you might sweat on the inside, never let them see you sweat. And, yes. Megan, you've been doing an awesome, awesome job. Oh, thank you. Um, Matt, how do you handle beginnings of seasons, whether it was player, whether it was coaching? Um, was there, like, more anxiety, even, even first year as a player – um, that opening season that oh, who am I competing against, who am I going against, who's who am I competing for starting job? Like what's what's some of your experiences in opening day, either players, coaches? 
Um, I don't like for the whole like start of the season because I played soccer, uh, and fall is my favorite season, like just in general. So just the the memories of you know after school, like when I played freshman soccer at Clarence, like we'd go out and like it's it's still. Like compared to like the practices you had before school started in the hot sun, and you're just like, oh gosh, it sucks out here. Um, after school, the it's like dusk, the sun's kind of setting, but it's still like that that cool feeling, that cool like like, and it's getting cooler as well too. So like, you're not sweating as much. It's like it's a like fall is there. Just just that entire thing together made me so excited. Like I never was nervous at all, just because of like the whole setting, just. Just, just, and like I wasn't even nervous for school because of just the excitement just that 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 season brought to me. Um, and you know, still it sits with like even if I'm not playing now, like I go to when I'm at school and I walk by like the uh, the fields and I see teams practicing like at like six o'clock at night. I'm just like, oh yeah, that's that, that's that, that that's feeling right there. You get that little energy, it's that like, little energy boost. Yeah, I'm explaining this and I know exactly what. Oh, I know it's the best. Yeah, it's just it's just a start of like another season and you're just like oh yeah summer's over no more hotness and it's like and the leaves are falling leaves pumpkin spice oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> can i tell you how how excited my wife is that pumpkin spice lattes <laughs> are back at starbucks uh, but that's beyond sorry vicky <laughs> that's beyond another uh, that's a whole other podcast in itself um but no and i love it the only time i really really as, as a player felt nervous about a season was freshman year um i was my first year going out for varsity soccer um i ran cross country seventh and eighth grade so i just decided to switch to soccer i'd always done travel soccer always done house soccer from little on but i realized i I loved running cross country loved the cross country coach shout out to coach jacobs um but it was i just wanted to play varsity soccer and it was always it was that first day or two days week of tryouts and i remember going in there as the small freshman knowing that I, I was a good player but at the same time I'm counting kids I'm like all right there's 30 kids here overall they're probably going to go 15 and 15 varsity okay I'm better than that kid that kid's better than me that kid's better than me that kid I'm I'm kind of ranking my own self on the team but like uh oh I'm down, I'm I'm like number 9 okay I should be in the starting lineup maybe I'm number 10 so I'm sitting there I'm like all right I think I'm going to make the team I think I'm going to make the team made the team as a freshman um, played all four years as varsity, but that was just that was my anxiety, and I remember doing that. And I remember talking to one of the uh, the senior players during practice and just telling him I'm, uh, you know, was a little nervous of making a team. And I remember what he he just he grabbed his arm, put his arm around me, and was like, "Just relax, knock it off. You're gonna make the team." And I just looked at him like, "Really?" He's like. Keep practicing, keep doing what you're doing, and you're going to make the team. He's like, if you take a second off, he's like, I will flat out embarrass you and make sure you don't make the team. <laughs> oh. So I made sure just to go hard than I've, harder than I've ever gone in any practice that first week just so I can impress everybody. And A, just so this kid wouldn't embarrass me either. And ended up making the team, and I didn't care at that point if I rode the bench the entire season, just the fact that I was a freshman and I made varsity and made the starting lineup. So I was super happy about that. But enough bragging about me. Um, let's let's get into the heart of the episode. Um, 
as a coach, and uh, Megan, I guess you've got a little bit more experience over this than Matt does, but what's your what's your biggest, um, I don't want to say toughest thing to do, but what's your, uh, what do you find more difficult um, when it comes to a start of a brand new season, whether it's lacrosse, whether it's soccer, um, anything else you coach? Like, what do you, what do you find it's most difficult, especially about coaching high school sports? Honestly, I think, I think tryouts is hard. Okay. Um, and I think that comes down to like making cuts. I think that's like a really difficult thing, especially, I mean, I guess we don't have that problem with soccer right now because we just have a lack of girls that it was just a matter of who's on varsity and who's on JV. But even with that, I, I know like on my team right now, I have so many girls who wanted to be on varsity who are now on JV and it's just hard on them mentally. And I know that, and I don't want to put them through that. And I want them to like be the best. And even if they're on JV, they could still be a great player, but telling them they're on JV sometimes just affects them mentally. And Oh, for sure. And I know even the fact, you know, um, having to to send some of them down or tell them you know listen it's just keep working hard you know you're still a young player you still you know you're there's a chance that you can come up by the mm-hmm. end of the season just keep impressing um it's it can be tough but i think you just got to you just got to spin it yeah. in a positive direction well and the worst is when you have so many players and you have to make cuts and you have to cut good players Absolutely. that is the worst <laughs> and it's just where you you know that you want a team of 18, you know that you want a full roster, and you know, like, I've got 20 solid kids, I've got to let two go, I don't mm. want to. And I know, especially at the modified level, um, uh, there's been a couple times where I kept, um, I would keep a team of 25, mm-hmm. but I would let those seven know, or six know, that um, you're going to be on a practice team, basically. Yeah. You know, you can still definitely... Come here, definitely practice, definitely be a part of the team. I want you to travel with us on the bus. But, you know, at this point, you're on a practice team. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get game time. Yeah. You know, you're going to get as many drills in, treated like everybody else. And some of the kids, they'll tell you right off the bat, okay, that's great, that's fine, I just want to be on the field, let's mm-hmm. go, I can get better. I'm a seventh grader, this will help me for eighth grade. But then again, you'll get some of the kids too where will do I have to be on the practice squad? Can I just quit? Or they'll mm-hmm. show up for one or two practices and just kind of fade away. And it's totally understandable yeah. on both ends. Um, but it's ha- it's hard having that conversation. Um, and especially, you know, you'll have that conversation, too, with parents. Um, uh, you want, Especially with the 7th and 8th graders. If I, any time I make, uh, I've had the practice squad where I've done, I think I've done it two years as 7th and 8th graders. You get those parents of those teams together and, again, explain it to the parents. But, like, you know, I, I don't want there to be any issues. I don't want anybody um, mad that you, their son or their daughter is mm-hmm. not gonna not getting any playing time. But like, everybody here, just so we're all on the same page, um, I could have – I decided instead of cutting your child, your son or daughter, um, I would like to keep them on the practice squad. Uh, this will help them out if they're seventh graders. This will help them out, hopefully, to make the modified team next year. If they're eighth graders, this will hopefully help them to make the JV team next yeah. year. Um, and it's you get. I've gotten parents where they just get it. Mm-hmm. I've gotten other parents where they might not totally grasp that concept, and you might have to talk to them two or three games into the mm-hmm. season. 
when their son or daughter has not gotten any playing time. And they ask, why has my son or daughter not gotten any playing time? And you have to remind them about the meeting you had two, three weeks ago, whatever, at the start of the season. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, definitely, it's definitely tough. Um, oh, absolutely. And especially the parts, there's been times, too, where I've gone through the practice squad the season before, and it didn't go as well as I wanted to. It be, kind of became more of a headache. So I would make the cuts from 25, 26, when I had numbers, down to 18. Yeah, And at that point, you still get parents. You still get kids that come up to you. How can you cut my son or daughter? They made the team last year. How can you cut them? They played travel mm-hmm. or they played house for six years or they played. And it's it's a hard conversation where you just have to tell them your son or daughter might be a very good player, but I've got 18 players that are better. Yeah. Or I've got your son or daughter has said that they only want to play defense well, I've already got my six or seven defenders that are up there. You know, I've got my mid, there's nobody, there's no room for them on the defensive line. I've asked them a couple times during tryouts or during practice if they want to switch the midfield, want to switch the forward. They said no. Um, I've, I had to make my team the way it was, it was best for the team. Um, they're more than welcome to try out next year. This doesn't have to be the end of their season. Here's a couple of here's a couple of travel teams. Here's a couple, a couple of house teams that they can play on over the summer. Indoor teams over the winter um, to hopefully get them better. And I'd love to see them come out next year. And again, you get some parents, some kids who get it yeah. and they come back um, and they're ready to go. And others who unfortunately just don't they either don't want to come out or they switch to another team that's that's better for them yeah and it's it's tough um matt how about that even as a coach or as a player like have you ever had even even yourself or other other friends that you've known that have been cut from teams or had uh, thought that they were going to make that varsity team and ended up going down and playing a season or two or whatever at the jv level um i've played with some people that you know so, so, like, on, like, a travel team or something, when they would talk about trying out for school teams. And, you know, even though we were all on the same travel team, school teams are different. Coaches are different. So, like, you know, if we're all on the same travel team, that doesn't mean that they're all going to be on the same school team. Um, and there's definitely some of those that had more of, like, the sense of, like, entitlement where they're, like, I know, like, I should be on the team. And there were those that, like, definitely had the mindset of – you know, if it happens, it happens. Like it's like it's meant to be. Like I'm supposed to be on the team, and if not, then I'll just work to get to where I want. Um, and I was just happy. Like I, I didn't really care. Like I, I'm not in the sense of like I was like not motivated, but like I was. I never felt a sense of entitlement. It wasn't like that. That wasn't my thing. But I definitely know people who. That's all they. And it could have been because of like the school that I went to. Um, just, just because they're like, oh, like my brother or sister, like, you know, they were on the team. Like I have to be on the team. That's another big thing too. Is like, if you have like an an older sibling who played the same sport as you, I think that also, and it's the same coach nonetheless. Um, I think that's just a kind of like a rite of passage for them. The legacy on the team. Yeah. My father played on this team. My brothers played on this team. I'm meant to play on this team. Absolutely. And you're right. It it does happen where sometimes they get cut. Mm-hmm. I've I've only come across this personally myself two or three times 
where I had a player who played for me the year before, but unfortunately, you know, they might they were on the fringe of making that team, and unfortunately, my numbers boosted up the next year. And there's been, I think, on three occasions where I had to cut a player who played for me maybe as a ninth grader, as a 10th grader, as a 7th or 8th grader, who played for me the year before, but that next year they weren't able to make the team. And that conversation is awful. <laughs> it really yeah. is. It's, it's awful to hear as a player, I'm sure, and it's awful to make as a coach. And I've gotten the, but coach, I made it last year. Mm-hmm. But coach, I give, I'm giving you the same effort. But coach, I've improved. I'm even a better player. And it's just one of those in the very nicest way. You've got to tell the parents and the player, um, I yes, you have. You absolutely are a much better player than you were last year. Unfortunately, last year you were in my top 18. This year, you're not in my top 18. Um, those are the kids that you feel for and you create a spot or two on that practice squad. But at the same time, you give them the option. But like, you know, there's other sports that are still starting. You know, cross country is always looking for players. Tennis is always looking for players. Other sports are out mm-hmm. there. I totally understand if you'd like to go and switch those sports. But know that you can definitely come to practice. You can definitely get better. Hopefully this helps you to make the JV team or the varsity team next year. But unfortunately, you're on the outside looking in this year. I almost, I almost had to do that this year, and then she decided on her own that she. I think she realized too, and she decided not to play. Like she, she told me that she wasn't going to continue, so I didn't have to make the decision. But it was still sad to see her go. Yeah, I mean, you never want, you never want to have, you never want to leave that way as a player, and you never want to have, be have to dismiss a player Mm -hmm. like that. Um, My first time making cuts, I. Afterwards, I went in my car and cried for like twenty minutes because I felt so bad. <laughs> I could I could see you doing yeah, it. Yeah, I just because it was it's one of those things too. There were two players I had to cut, and one played travel, and she was good. She just wasn't where I needed her to be. And then the other one didn't have the skill set, but had the work ethic, and she was just so excited to be there and worked so hard, but it, the skill just was not there. And and can I tell those you, those are the worst. I was just gonna say that those are the worst. Where you. Um, you just like, man, I wish I could take your work ethic and your heart and just put it in a body of somebody with more ability, with more, it's just, I'm like, "Mm." if only you could catch the ball, that's all I need, but (laughs) it's, oh, it's so upsetting. (laughs) It's tough. I mean, we had, I, I brought, I have that, uh, for track and field, I had a, um, when I coached shot put and discus, uh, one of my shot putters, he was freshman year. Wasn't in the top three, but worked his tail off to improve. Sophomore year, wasn't in the top three again. Was because for shot put, only the top three are are competing for varsity. The others are still competing at either JV or exhibition. Worked his tail off lifting. Worked his tail off on techniques. Was still just outside the top three. Junior year, I had a I was a little lighter on my throwers, and he cracked that top three, and I was so proud of him. And he, you know, he was he was the third thrower, and he was working his tail off. He was still throwing at about what he was, a little bit better the freshman year and sophomore year. I just had a very light team that year. Mm-hmm. And senior year, it was, he was back down to being on the outside, back in like the number four or even five thrower distance-wise. And it 
it broke my heart every meet schedule yeah. putting out that lineup and he wasn't in the top three and putting out that lineup and he wasn't in the top three especially with him being a senior and there were meets that I could get him into that third spot but at the same time I remember there was one meet I got him into that spot and he looked at me and he's like coach I don't want it I'm like yeah. what do you mean he's like well there's two other people behind me that are throwing more than me they should have it and it's just one of those things that you wish everybody just yeah. got it he just got it yeah and um good for him though yeah and it was great and the kid went to every single camp over the summer yeah. he just unfortunately he just hit his peak and no matter what he was gonna do he just he he peaked out he peaked out, and that happens in sports sometimes. You just hit your, your potential, and for whatever reason, you, you plateau, and you can't really get above that. Mm -hmm. It happens a lot in shot and disc. It happens a lot in the jumping events, um, the sprinting events. It happens a lot, And but he got it. And, and I'm not going to lie. When he told me that, I almost cried. So it was uh, – <laughs> I did. Hey, I'm a very emotional guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I've never saw that yeah. before. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, I it 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 brought a tear. It 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 almost brought a tear. Almost, almost. But um, no, it's uh, it's just something when you know a kid gets it, when you know a parent gets it, it just makes it all the much better for you. Um, now, speaking of cuts, on the flip side, what are your experiences making captains? Because I know that for me, that's almost just as hard. As cutting a kid is when you have to pick one or two kids to make a captain because some of them there's there might be your entire team that feels like they need to be captain. Sometimes you might feel like there's out of a team of 18 that there's legitimately six or seven players who could probably be captain. Mm -hmm. And at the same point, if you make six or seven captains, you're kind of watering down that that accomplishment of making captains. So you don't want to go too many. Um, for me, I, I struggle with picking oh, captains. Yeah. I'm like, I think cap choosing captains is like, it's, it's politics. It's like another <laughs> it thing. It really it can be. Yeah. Yes. It absolutely can be. And if you pick the wrong one, if you pick somebody who the team doesn't respect or the team doesn't think is a great leader, mm -hmm. you yourself could lose the respect absolutely. of your team. Um, it's, <laughs> it is politicking. And there's been times where I've used the. All right, everybody vote. This isn't the be-all, end-all, but vote mm -hmm. on it. I'm going to get the ultimate decision. Sometimes I've just made the ultimate decision myself. Sometimes if I've had an assistant, I'll get together with my assistant and make the ultimate. Or if I've been the, the assistant like I am now with, with uh, Jamie, you know, we'll get together and we'll, we'll pick one. But it's a tough choice. Yeah. I, I don't – I get it. I love picking captains, but at the same time, I don't like picking captains. Yeah. That's how I usually do it too is I – I let them vote, and I also have them. I say, give me three girls and give me why they should be a captain, and I go through it. And my first year, I actually had a girl who I didn't even have in mind to be a captain. She was just so quiet, and I think because I was a new coach at the time, she just didn't really talk to me and like kind of kept her distance. But I made her a captain, and she was. It was the best decision I made all season. Oh you yes, know, it was. And there are some people would where like you said, you would never think of it or they're mm -hmm. so shy, they're so reserved, but when they get that leadership role, they just blossom yeah. right into it. And some will take it to heart. Now on the flip side you do get some kids that get a little power hungry. Oh yeah. And by one or two games in, you have to remind them, Hey, listen, 
you're the captain, but you've got to show good leadership to keep that captaincy. You can't go out there and think that all of a sudden you're the authority, you're the mm-hmm. be-all, end-all, because that's that's the coach. That's me. Yeah. Um, you know, if you can't handle being a captain, you might not be very long. Um, so it's it's a it's a high wire act sometimes. Yeah, and I think too, like I, I personally don't like captains. I think if you're going to be a leader on the field, you're going to be a leader on the field. And I hate. There's been situations where I've told a girl that where I'm like, you know, I'm not going to make you a captain, but I still need you to lead. And I feel like sometimes if you don't make them that captain, they stop doing what they're doing, and then. It's politics. <laughs> it's, all, it's all politics. Absolutely. But there are times where, hey, how come you're not telling your teammates, well, I'm not yes. the captain? Just. So <laughs> if, you, if you need just... to say something, address it. If somebody's mm-hmm. doing something wrong, address it. Don't yeah. think, well, I'm not the captain. That's fine. The captain's only res- real, real responsibility, especially in a soccer game, if there's a question with a call, the captain can talk to the referee again mm-hmm. in a professional manner but the captain can talk to the referee all right that's it i mean yeah. yeah you want your captains to be your leaders you want your captains to lead by example but just because you're not a captain doesn't mean that you can't be vocal on your team do it you know if you see that something's wrong you want you want to address the team address the team yeah. you know do it and i think i think you're right sometimes kids feel like well the captain should be doing that the mm-hmm. captain should be doing that. Well, yeah, but if you do it too, you might become a captain, exactly. whether it's this year or next year. I'm always looking for leaders to step up. Um, now, speaking of that, has anybody here, whether it's been coach or player, has anybody had that captain that kind of let the power of the badge go to their head a little bit, let the power? I see Matt smiling a little bit over there. Matt, have you had that, whether it's been a player or a coach, have you had that captain that's just – was really cool, really cool as a player, and then all of a sudden got that badge, and ooh, look out. Well, it's like, so for my travel team, our coach was like, pick, obviously pick who you want, but I don't, I'll do the final. And we had one kid definitely knew, not only because he was the best person on the team, but he was just like, all right, he, he can lead us. So we picked him, and we picked two assistant captains. Now, in retrospect, we probably should have picked people that weren't so like egoish because their egos collided, and um, you know, so and so would just be yelling at the other one for whatever mm-hmm. they're doing. And it's like I think as soon as those arm badges come out, that's just like the strap that you put on your arm. Um, they're like treating us different. And they're like, well, like, I'm the captain, so I'm running practice. They're like, okay, but it's not like a dictatorship, you know. And the the, the the end all of it all is, like, one captain did his job. The other captain basically was just like, look at me, I'm the captain. Like, I got that armband. It's that prestige. It's, it's that, that. Yeah, to the point where it got me to hate captains. That's like I. You're explaining exactly what I had. I feel like on every team, yeah. and it. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Now, have you? I I know there's been times where on teams I've had. Uh, in fact, Megan, I was telling you this earlier, where I've had one captain, and then I'd rotate in and out mm-hmm. an assistant captain, and I've told them, listen, if you do a good job as an assistant captain, it might only la- it might last for three, four, five games. Might last for the rest of the season. It might only last for a game. Um, but I've done that. I've done that rotating captain yeah. as well. Um, I've had varying success with it. Um, 
Some of them, you know, get a little disappointed if you take that that A away from them. Um, but it's and sometimes you don't take the A away from them necessarily because they do a bad job. You just take it away from them because somebody's kind of stepped up a little bit more and yeah. has become more of a, a, a vocal leader or more of a, a leader by example. Um, and you want to give them a little chance to shine. But have you guys ever had experience with like a rotating captain? And how has that kind of worked out for you? So that's what I did for soccer um, on Modified. And for me, it always worked well. And it would usually I'd have someone kind of different every week. And it would like make that rotation. Someone different would step up every week. But then like you have that one week where you're like, well, this person's still being a leader. So I'm going to have them be captain. And everyone's like, whoa, wait, what? <laughs> and I'm like, she keeps working. I'm like, you got to keep working and push each other and try to lead and... I've honestly, I think I've had the most success with rotating captains. That's good. Yeah. I know I've I've had varying success. I've had some that are you know. Ultimately, for me, the the two times that I did it, I found that by mid season, I kind of had the same two or three kids yeah. who were always had the captaincy mm-hmm. badge, so it just kind of worked its way out. Um, there's there have been there was another season where it was literally on a rotating basis like it was pretty much one girl was the main captain and then all right who's next who's next and i think by the time the end of the season got there it was it almost ended up being like a participation trophy mm-hmm. we talked about last week it almost ended up being well it's my turn to be captain um so it's it that assistant captain's badge kind of lost its luster if yeah. you will um so but i definitely think it could work and i've seen it work both ways uh, Matt, have you ever had the assistant captain or the rotating captain? I've personally never seen that happen, but just just by the explanation of it, I see a lot of benefits with that idea, and I think it should be more of like a widespread, like you know, not everybody has to do it, but more more well known. Just because if you can't, if they have like the, if you have that rotation, but like Megan said, like if you had like one that like kept on showing it, and like you just keep making them captain. It's not because, you know, like, if the kids know, like, there's, like, that cycle and this person just keeps getting it because of something they're doing, it could influence them to, you know, okay, okay, she's doing something different. It's like, she's she's putting in more work ethic. Why don't we do that if mm-hmm. we really want that? Rather than just having, like, this political just, like, let's vote or, like, let's put whoever in. Um, I don't know. I, I don't care enough about the participation. I don't care if you never get to keep captain. You know, if you don't deserve it, you don't deserve it. Yeah. But if you have that somebody is like, it, I think it's just more of like a motivation for everybody else on the team. I think that's a really good idea. And I know definitely like I'm going to boast about it more. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think like adding on to that too, having the rotating captain, it gives you as a coach more time to see your players where, you know, if you make a permanent captain, you have a week to make that decision. And I just don't think that's enough time to really get to know your team and get to know your players. I agree. And there's been seasons, um, whether it's been soccer, whether it's been uh, um, bowling, believe it or not, we have captains in bowling. (laughs) Bowling. Uh, Oh, yeah, I've coached. Listen, I've coached everything. Um, But there's there's been times where I've gone into seasons in the games without a captain. Um, I know for soccer, there's been times where it's been the first game of the year and the you know, the kids are, coach, who's captain? Who's captain? You know what? Show me in this game. You know, all right, you and you, you're going to go out for the coin toss. Doesn't mean you're a captain today. Show me who's going to step up and take that captain's badge. 
Who's going to make, who's going to force me to make them captain? Because during, like you said, it wasn't necessarily anything that the team was doing, but I just didn't see enough in that first week or two weeks of preseason to really, these two people definitely deserve it. This person definitely deserves it. It's not that everybody was playing bad. It's just nobody took that extra step and stood out. So, and I've, I've done that a couple times and it, you'll see those four or five players that will just, they'll go out there and give it their all. And um, I remember I had one kid who I just took out just for a sub, and he was mad. I'm like, what's wrong? You're going back in in a couple minutes. Get some water. But, Coach, how am I going to show you I'm captain on the bench? Get some water. Get ready. Go back out there. You know, just you're not going to lose your captain's badge because I took you off for two or three minutes. Hydrate and get back out there. You'd love to see that, but at the same time, all right, just relax. Um, So, no, but you love seeing that compete level. Um, Now, have you ever ever come across where actually picking a captain has kind of almost divided your team? Where uh, you've got some people that, hey... We love having Matt as a captain. We think he's awesome. We think he's awesome. Larry, on the other hand, we don't think he's captain material. Yeah, or screw that guy. Yeah. Forget Larry. He's, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I heard his dad was the coach. <laughs> <laughs> um, or you have half the team that loves Larry, half the team that thinks he only got it because dad was the coach. Or he only got it because, well, he played five years. He, he, he whatever. Um, have you ever had people like that captain's badge almost divide the team, divide the locker room? Yeah. <laughs> I don't see how it couldn't. I was Exactly. I think really you'll have that no matter what, at least for a little bit. It might not be... All the time. All the time. But I think there are definitely times it happens no matter what. Um, I definitely chose someone. Again, having that one week, I thought she was going to be a great captain. And she was a leader, but not... She, she just didn't know how to communicate with the team. And I realized that after choosing her. Oh, she can't and I was talk like, to the team. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Oh yeah, you definitely, you definitely get that, and you need that vocal leadership. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it can be tough. And like, don't get me wrong, she was fantastic, and like the girls really did like her. But it would just get to a point where she'd talk to them, and you just kind of see them like holding their breath and. Uh, Come on, guys, let's do this. <laughs> exactly. Now, do you think? Speaking of that, do you think like picking, choosing captains, they've got to work well together? Like you have maybe one captain who is that vocal rah rah, let's go, let's get give that locker room speech, and then you have that other captain who's just a simply lead by example. Yes, just that player who might not say much to the team, might not get everybody fired up, but you know what? Everybody knows that they're gonna give. A hundred and twenty thousand percent out there, and they're just gonna they're they're gonna lead by example. Um, how important is it? You think that the captains work together like that? Very important, and I, I think too, like you, you kind of have to have those different roles. Like you need to have one that's a little more vocal and can give the team pep talks, and the team will listen. You have to have the one who's on the field leading by example, and you know, the team gets down and they have to be the ones to kind of, like, keep pushing and going. I think if everyone's just the same... <coughs> Sorry. Bless you. <laughs> that was like a cough sneeze there. No, Sorry. that's okay. We're going to edit that. <laughs> but I think everyone... If, like, if you have four girls or guys who are all cheerleader captains, I don't think that's the best phrase I wanted to use there. But, I mean, it, I just don't think it works. No, yeah, you can't be just rah-rah. you got to be able to back up that rah-rah with yeah. your play as well. Um, 
have you ever had have you guys ever had and I don't know why I'm laughing but I'm kind of I'm remembering a story where playing wise I've seen two captains that just did not get along at all like just it wasn't even at at times you didn't even think that they even had the mutual respect for each other they just did not get along at all they didn't have the respect for each other and I know this was this was coming as a player um it hurt the morale of the team and it it hurt us in um quite a uh, quite a few close games that I thought we should have won if we were on the same page have you ever come across that where you've got two captains and they're just they uh-uh they just ain't working well together um have you ever come across that I mean I've seen it and it just reminds me of like a divorced couple. Like, you know, like <laughs> that's a good way to play. Like it. they they if you're addressing the team and it's like we're gonna do this and then the other person comes in just and says the opposite just to spite them. Um and they're just going back and forth. Meanwhile the the, the team is just sitting there is like mm, why did we do this? Like why are we here? And it, it at the end of it, you lose respect for both captains. You don't know who to follow. You kind of just go out there and you do whatever you want. And nobody's going to call you on it because the other two, the captains are too busy fighting each other. Yeah. yeah and I think you lose a little respect for the coach, but like, how could he? Like, why are you not doing anything? Get off your phone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How could you make these two captains? How did you not see that they don't like each other? How did you not see that they're not going to get along? They're going to cause chaos all year long. How have you not made this change two games, three games, four games into the season? Why are they still captains? Why are you allowing this to happen? And like you said, it just it's a snowball effect. And next thing you know, you have a very talented team that is losing to not so talented teams because that chemistry just isn't there. That harmony isn't there. And it's so important. Um, Megan, even at the college level, have you have you come across that? I see you smiling and nodding. Again, it's I honestly don't remember college. I remember it was like I, I, I think our captains were just always seniors. And I think it was just that because they were seniors, they were captains. And they were good like I did have very good captains when I was in college. But I know my last year we did one of the things where we all kind of voted. And after our coach chose captains, I had a lot of my teammates come up to me and be like, we put you down. And, like, I think I won a vote but didn't get the position, which I am fine with. I'm Again, I don't really like the role as captain. I think I'm more of a lead by example, and I'm always going to do that no matter what. But I definitely have had, I think, on any team when you have captains, they're always going to have disagreements. I don't think it's ever... It's not always going to be severe where it ruins the team, but I think there will always be those moments where you can see your captains kind of butting heads. I think I experience that on like every level of play. I think at certain times, I think your your captains will butt heads. You might have a different of opinion, but I think if if you've got the right captains out there, you've got the right leadership out there. A, they don't see the they don't let the rest of the team see that you're butting heads, and B, they've got enough leadership and enough maturity to kind of get together off the field or outside of practice, outside of games, and say, hey, listen, we've got to get together. We've got to get on the same page. This is what I want out of practice. This is what I want out of the defense, what I want out of the offense. What do you want? How can we work together here? Yeah. How can we get us back on the same page? Um, and I think that's that's important. And not only that, even in coaching, I think there's there's been times where um, yeah, I've worked very well with somebody I've been coaching with, uh, whether I've been the assistant or whether I've been the head. 
And there's been times where um, our coaching styles, our coaching philosophies just don't connect, don't click. Mm -hmm. Not that I think the other person is right and I'm wrong. Not that I think that I'm right and they're wrong. It's just two very different philosophies and it's just not gelling together. Um, thankfully, uh, with working with Megan and thankfully the last four, three, four years now that I've been working with uh, Jamie Rapel, I'm calling you out here on the podcast. <laughs> Hopefully we'll get you on an episode soon. Um, thankfully, Jamie and I work extremely well together. Now that's asking me, if you ask her, you might get a, you might get a totally different answer. I hope not. But it's been, uh, it's been awesome working with somebody who just sees the game in a lot of the same ways that you do, has a lot of the same philosophies yeah. you do. Um, it's been it's been phenomenal working with her, and it's always been great uh, working with coaches that you not only respect but share a lot of the similarities. Yeah, and I think that's what builds a great program too. It's like you need all of your coaches on the same page and have that same coaching mentality to create wow, create a good program. Absolutely, and sometimes don't get me wrong, you do need that little bit of you don't want them too similar because you do need hey Megan brings something to the table. Jamie brings something special to the table. I bring something hopefully special to the table. <laughs> um, but you do want a little bit of – you want to see it from a different point of view. But you also want to have that that same at least uh, uh, philosophy or same yeah. – at, at least it can't veer too much. Like somebody can't be the super, 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 super strict coach and the other one be the laid-back surfer-type coach. We're just, oh, dude, just go out there and play. I'd love to see that. <laughs> I've had those coaches before as a player, and it is not fun because usually, in, in my experiences, by middle part of the season, you've just got the, uh, you've got the players running the team, and sometimes that's not great. And you've got the coach that's just, just go out there and play. Just have fun. Everybody's a winner. Like, no, we're on a four-game losing streak, and if you don't get off your rear end and start coaching, I'm going to leave. Um, but it's just you want that. You, you want your coach. To, you want to respect your coach. You don't necessarily want to be buddy-buddy with your coach. Mm -hmm. You want to have that mutual respect. You want to have that, that sense of uh, team, that sense of family. But at the same point, you want there to be that fine line yeah. where – you know that if you cross that line, hey, coach is going to be there to kick you back over that line. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, you, and at least in my opinion. Now, sometimes the buddy-buddy coach might work well for people. For me, it, uh, I had no problem with it because I was always self-motivated. But you see some of your teammates, and you always don't want to be that, that, for lack of a better word, jerk that has to kick your teammates' butts back in the gear. Yeah. It should be coming from the coach. Um, so it's, uh, like I said, I love this time of year. I know we're getting ready for our first game on Friday. Um, Megan will be making her JV debut against Luport. Um, <laughs> I know it's Luport, more like Booport. <laughs> <laughs> I like that Booport. I'm going to, I'm going to use that. I like that. Uh, let's get ready for Booport, but it's, uh, how do you feel like just getting ready for that first game of the season. I know in practices you do the scrimmages. I know in practices you do whether it's 6v4, 7v7. Um, you get that offense versus defense. But how do, you, how do you as a coach just get ready for that opening game? Like, is there something that you – I know my first opening game ever when I coached, I mean, I don't think I slept a wink that night. 
I remember I was up just, okay, with this formation, if this happens, if we're down by one goal, I want us to switch to this. If we're up by two goals, I want us to switch to this. If I, I want to play this, if they come out with the, uh, uh, this formation, I want to run this formation. I was all over the place just trying to prepare for every single scenario. And then you get to that first game and you're like, it instantly whew, just washes right out of your head. Like, uh-oh. Are you saying you're only like that for your first game? I'm like that the whole season. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that for scrimmages. <laughs> but I think for me, it's it's. I still get anxious for the first game. But at this point, it's just a different. It's different type of yeah. anxious. Um, but how do you deal? How do you deal with first games of the season? I mean, again, I think going back to like choosing captains, it's so hard that first game because you only see your players for like a week, a week and a half, and then you have to figure out where you're going to put everyone. I think first games. They're just hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's knowing your players, um, knowing your opponents. You know, for sometimes it's, I haven't seen this team yet. I know what they're, I know they're usually a very good team, yeah. um, but I don't know how good or how bad or what they're going to be like this year, if they're going to be more offensive this year, more oh, yeah. defensive. And um, I, I, I'm, so, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I think for me personally, I'm more nervous about soccer because I don't know everyone on the team right now. Like, this is my first time seeing most of these girls. We're in lacrosse. It's like I know who's coming up, I know who I'm working with, and I know them better personally and what they can do. So I feel like I'm more excited because I'm like, oh, I know like you're going to be a good defender, and I really can't wait to see you on the field. Where soccer, I'm like, right now I'm just learning everyone, and I think that's the hardest part, especially with a new team as a new coach. Oh, for sure. Um, Matt, how about you? What about that first time just preparing for a game, that first time, like the first game of the season, like – does it get you pumped up? Does it get you anxiety? Does it get you like what's that that first game just really even thinking back to it like if, when you've coached or whatever just that first game what is it what's going in your mind there on that first game? Like I think of everything that could go wrong um, instantly <laughs> and and then I'm like okay okay all right and then I just try to focus on like what I could do as a player like what what my skill set is. And I was, and the way I justify it, going to sleep at night, I was like, you know what? Whatever happens, happens, and like that's, and I fall asleep. And then, as it gets closer and closer to the game, you get that nervousness. But I never thought that that nervousness was bad because that means you're just ready. That means you're ready to play. It's like no matter, like yeah, you might be nervous, you might be like really, really like sick to your stomach. But it's like if you're not nervous, you're not ready. Exactly. Yes, Matt. Yes, Matt. Yeah. I tell I tell my team that. All my teams, that's, I'm like, it's okay to be nervous. I'm like, I don't want you being scared. Scared's a different thing, but you can be nervous. Nervous yeah. means you're ready. I still remember, it is going to make me sound old, I still remember that old Rocky quote, you know, don't let fear control you, you control fear. That it, Rocky Four, I think. I believe it was Rocky <laughs> Four, or was it, which one was the, uh, against the Russian? Was it was Rocky, Rocky Four? Drago? Yeah. Yeah, I believe that was Rocky Four. Yeah. Well, thank Rocky? you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think it's the rock of like never mind. No. <laughs> hey, I'm not that old. Everybody knows Rocky. The eye Everyone of the tiger knows. there. Yes. But uh no, and it's very true. You've it's good that you're nervous because if you're nervous, if you're scared a little bit, that means you care. That means it's something you care about. Um I remember uh thinking back, um I was a I was fourteen years old, so I was playing uh U I was playing uh U fifteen travel. And um, or U sixteen, and I got bumped up for a tournament for a weekend tournament to the to um, the U. Uh, I would have been playing U fourteen, and I got bumped up to a U sixteen team for travel. And I remember going into that game 
so nervous. I mean, by the time I got to the sideline, by the time my dad dropped me off and, and we were getting to that to the to the just practice um before the game, I'm shaking in my boots. Like I'm ready, I'm thinking, I'm gonna throw up. I'm gonna throw up. I ended up throwing up in the parking lot. Um but you know what? Once I got out there on the field, once I got out there knocking the ball around, once I got out there and chatted up my teammates, I knew I I had known some of the teammates, some of the players before um, a lot of them I didn't know, uh, I just realized I, I kind of talked myself into it. Hey, it's just a regular game of soccer. Nothing is changed. It's the same amount of time. It's the same length of field. It's the same formations. It's the same. You're not playing it. You're still playing right midfield today. It's the same everything. It's just with kids that are older than you. That's the only difference. It's kind of like that Hoosiers moment where they have the kid on the shoulders and they measure the measure the length of the uh, basket. Hey, same height as in our gym. Everything's the exact same. And I think you need to just have that, okay, I can do this. I've done this before. Oh, yeah. Let's go. And it's it's almost like that's why I never I – never, I found it um, – uh, a little cliche when you get those commentators uh, on um, hockey games or uh, in professional sports where they're like, well, here's where playoff experience comes in hand. Here's where playoff experience comes in hand. But, like, I don't agree with playoff experience. I think if you're if you're good enough to be in the playoffs, if you're good enough to beat a team, it doesn't matter if this is your first year in the playoffs and this is their 10th year in the playoffs. It doesn't matter if you're good enough to play and you rise to the occasion, you're going to beat them no matter what playoff experience is um so i think just kind of not psyching yourself up but settling yourself down as that that first year player or getting in a new spot it it takes away some of that anxiety and i think some players i mean i know there's been games where i've definitely let that nervous energy get the better of me i've definitely left some tournaments big tournaments even just first games where you get off that field and man, I played like garbage today. I couldn't make a pass to save my life. All my touches were four or five yards off my foot. I couldn't move. I, everything just felt too fast. And you kind of have to just learn from your mistakes. Yeah. And hopefully you can correct them next game. So it's, I think anxiety in sports and coaching can be, it can go hand in hand. Yeah, It can go one way or another. Um, have you ever had those games though? And I'm sure no matter what sport you've coached where you just had those games where you're just you're leaving the field and man if i had run a different formation man if i had put so and so in a better spot man if i had just like how, how do you deal with those games as a coach and is it different from dealing those games as a coach and dealing with those games as a player like like is it is it different or do you think that they're all the same that that same feeling Yes and no. Okay. Um, and again, as a player, as a goalie, especially if you lose by one point, I'm telling you, I would go, I just would go home and think about it. I'd be like, that was my, I'm like, if I had that one more save or I had that one that brushed my leg and went in, I'm like, if I had just moved one inch to the right, like that would have been a save. It would have been a different kind of game. And I was, I'm really bad about putting that pressure on myself afterwards where I'm like, oh, that was all my fault. But then, and I think this is the same as coaching, like, you might do the same thing. You might be like, well, if I put this person in or I ran something different or I told them to do this instead of this, in the end, it is a team, a team effort. 
I'm like, every single person on that field can be held accountable some way. And it, as a team, like that's a loss together. And I think that's just something like I have to remind myself as a player, as a coach, it's a team effort, no matter what. It's a team loss. It's a team win. Have you have you had games that to this day? I'm sure you have. Whether as a coach or a player, those te- those games that just, no matter how long ago they were, they just you don't necessarily think about them and, and stress about them every single day of your life. But they're always just in the back of your mind a little bit. They're always just. Uh, I wish I that would have that that ball would have bounced the other way or it would have. Like, do you, do you have those games that stick with you? Sure do, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> any, any that you feel like hashing and sharing a little oh, bit today? Man. One was, I, I honestly, and I'm so bad about, like, team names and remembering which team I was playing. I remember the field. I remember, like, seeing it and being there. But I believe it was Geneseo, and I believe it was my last game I ever played in college. And it was a game I think 100% we could have won, and we just didn't come out there with everything. And myself included. I just, there were a certain one save specifically I let in and I'm am I allowed to swear uh no let's keep it PG okay. no, let's, I, let's I, not I get mean, that I just, the, what I, the phrase I was gonna say I, I let the ball slap my face which is basically it goes by my face and I just watch it mm. you know and yeah but it's okay it's okay we're here we're better I'm coaching now we move past <laughs> these things absolutely Matt any of those games that just Mm, if only one thing would have gone better, if only one thing would have bounced bounced our way. I mean, probably. I was pretty trash goalkeeper sometimes. <laughs> um, Matt's, yeah, Matt's yeah, Mr. Positivity. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I definitely, like, my mom likes to phrase it as, like, when I'm on, I'm on. Nothing can stop me. If I'm not, if I don't have that switch in my head, it, it's a crapshoot, you know. Okay. Whatever happens, happens. Um, and, you know, I say that happens about 50-50. So there was plenty of games that I was not, you know, the person you wanted in between the posts. And, you know, I did my best with what I did, but I feel like, especially if it was against, like, people that, like, we played against before, I would probably, I was more pissed off if, like, I let a ball get by me that really shouldn't. Because, you know, in, in any sport, like, certain... Certain things that are like routine for you, like a routine save for like a goalkeeper, is like, mm-hmm. oh, I have this, and then that just that slight bit of ego ruins you because you just like you don't give it all as like a like a direct shot to you. So it's just like, oh. and then it rolls right by you, and you just sit there and you watch it. <laughs> yeah, you have that realization, and you're just like, well, time's really slow right now. <laughs> <laughs> and those are the worst ones, and that and unfortunately it happens. There's yeah. like those weird ones that just kind of roll in, and you're you watch it, and meanwhile you save probably like in a like a great shot, like you stop it, and then yes. you just let one just roll by you. <laughs> oh, the worst! Now that brings up a funny story, and Mark, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I'm gonna put you on blast here a little bit. This happened in I want to say junior or senior year. Um, our goaltender. He, it was against, uh, I believe it was against our, our, our tribal LaSalle. The high school's not, it was, this was before Niagara Falls and LaSalle combined schools. Um, but we were already trailing, I think, 2 3 nothing at the time. And it was a rainy day, and a shot came in. It wasn't, wasn't all that hard of a shot, more of like a rainbow arc shot by the post. And our goaltender grabbed the ball and at the same time was falling backwards. Oh. Now, instead of 
throwing the ball out. He grabbed the post to kind of steady himself, but like I said, it was raining, slipped off the post, and fell into the net while holding the ball. Yeah. And it's one of those things where you watch it happen in slow motion, and you're just like, throw the ball, throw the ball, get rid of the ball, throw the ball. But at the same time, it, it later he would tell me, I mean, we, we joke about it a little bit to this day. But later he would, you know, he would always say it was just one of those things you just you're expecting to stop. You're expecting to stop and you know that there's two forwards right in front of you and you don't want to throw them the ball because they're going to score. You're just expect and you never stop. And next thing you know, he's on his butt in the net. It's a goal because the ball and him has crossed the goal line. So that's just one of those things. And like I said, I've never played goal. I never want to play goal. Um <laughs> For some reason right now, over the last two years, I've been coaching our goaltenders, which I think I've been doing a pretty good job. But it's just one of those. It's it's something like it's just one of those goals where you just yeah. want to you just want to. All right. Let me let me shake that off. But at the same time, I'm not going to forget that anytime soon. I did that once in high school. Um, like lacrosse is the same thing. You have the line. If the ball goes over the line, no matter how. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter. So. I don't even know what happened, but I went back with my stick, and I went back too far, and I dipped it, and the ball just rolled out of my stick into the goal, and I scored on myself. <laughs> and I'm sure as a goalie, you're just like, all eyes are on, literally all eyes are on you at that point, and there's no way yeah. to hide. There's no, it's like, yeah, that was me. I did it. Sorry. Can we please move on? <laughs> to be fair, though, I think it was like my freshman year, and it was like my first, second year playing as a goalie, yeah. so... A little leeway there. I'm sorry, I can't make excuses. It was bad. <laughs> There's no excuses. <laughs> There's literally no excuses. I think it's also harder for, like, say, like in soccer, for a field player to score on themselves because it can happen, but it has to be really fluky. Like, say you're a defender and the ball hits you a wrong way and it bounces over the goalkeeper. That, like, that's a fluke. And that's ri- for a goalkeeper, you can go bend down. I remember I would bend down for a ball and it would just go right through my legs. <laughs> and I was just like, oh. Or, like, I oh, touch it. Like, if, if the ball got shot at me and um, I touched it the wrong and, like, it put the wrong spin on it and it would bounce in the net. That oh, was, yeah. Like, there's just, with, as a goalkeeper, there's just so many more things that could go wrong for you. Yeah. And, like you said, as a field player, I mean, I always played either center mid or outside mid. If I made a mistake or if I made a boneheaded play or something that was, there's, Hopefully my defenders are back there for me to bail me out. My center midfielders. There's like at least four or five guys there that are there to bail me out. If you make a quote-unquote boneheaded play or a bad play as a goaltender, nobody's bailing you out. It's going in the back of the net. So I think it's people don't realize as field players in whatever sport, whether it's lacrosse, hockey, soccer, you have other players that can bail you out hopefully and you bail your teammates out there's nobody bailing the goaltenders out on a bad, fluky goal. Yeah. And it's just, it's, you can say it's it's bad ice, It's a, it hit a divot, it hit whatever, it went through my legs, I didn't have, my gloves were whatever, but it's it's it, it's magnified by 10, unfortunately. That's why goalkeepers are like psycho, because that's how we <laughs> deal with the amount of pressure and the amount of yeah. just like blame that we get. Oh, for sure. And Matt, it's funny that you said, um, not funny, but it's interesting that you said like I'm, I'm either on or I'm off. I think that that's so much more um, uh, prevalent in goaltenders. You either get goaltenders who that day not a 
thing. I don't care how good the shot is. It's not going by me. And then there are days where, man, you could just kick whatever you want. As long as you hit the net, it's going in. I think that's just it's so much more mag, uh, magnified for goaltenders. Yeah. And, Megan, I know we were talking, Ian, about this with uh, mindful goaltending. Mm-hmm. I think it's just it, that's a big part of playing that position. Yeah, it's, and it is so mental. And those days where you're like, oh, you're you're on point, and then you have the days you're not, it really does come down, well, come down to being a mental thing. And I think what you said earlier, um, you just have to keep reminding yourself that it's the same old thing every time. Like, you're going to step, you're going to make that save, and you just have to have that mental reminder that it's it's the same thing every day. Now, have you guys ever been into that big game, big tournament, big arena, whatever, where you you let that moment get a little too big for you? You let that, that big moment kind of go over your head or, or get the better of you, for lack of a better term? Have you ever had that, that big tournament where uh-uh, it wasn't necessarily the other team that beat you? It was... It was the nerves that got you. It was the it was the moment that got you. Whether it was a championship game, semifinal game, whether it was just a big game that you were having against another really big team, did you ever have that moment where where it just it got the better of you? The moment, not necessarily the other team, or maybe not. <laughs> I'm like I don't know. I can't think of any. I know, like the, nothing's like, coming to me. My head, no. I know there's been times where I've gone. I've gone, I don't know if I necessarily let the moment get the best of me, but I know I've, I've gotten myself, there's been times I, I, where I can remember I've gotten, I went out so hard in the first half. I went out just full bore on, over, all over by the field. By the time the second half came, I was dead. Like, I was drained. I just had that physical, like, whew. Yeah. And you know, especially there's been times where I played on teams where there's only one or two pers- people on the bench. And you're not getting a sub, no matter unless you're. If you're walking, you're still playing, and you're just. You played so hard. I played so hard in that first half, and by the time the second half came, I'm just like, oh my god, I can't. Forget running to position. I can't walk to position, and you get that quick sub, and you take that quick sip of water or whatever, and you got to get back on the field because somebody else needs a sub, and it's still just not enough time to recover. So I've definitely had those games where I've gone out way too fast, way too hard, mm-hmm. and by the end of the game, you're just you're making the mental mistakes, you're making the physical mistakes, and it's costing you. Um, so that I guess would be the only time that I can remember. I guess you can say it was the moment. It was whether it was um, pumped up for a big tournament, pumped up for uh, a big clash with a, a big time rival. Um, it happened definitely more on my travel teams. Um, like I told, I, I think I've told everybody in four years of varsity soccer, I won the big goose egg. We won zero games in four years of soccer. <laughs> Thank you, Niagara Falls Powercats. Uh, but yeah, we won zero games. So uh, our <laughs> Matt's looking to be like, I, I can't believe it. Be like, yep. And the thing that got me was the very next season after my senior year, their very first game. What do they do? They win one nothing, and I'm like, "Are you kidding me? You couldn't." And I was happy for them, but at the same time, we just should have been me. It should have been me. Why did I yeah. fail this year? One more year. <laughs> but no, four years of varsity soccer, we won zero games. So my bigger games, um, like Matt, I'm sure your bigger games came more at uh, the high school level, playing with Clarence, because I know you guys always had a solid program, always in sectionals, always in state finals, stuff like that. Whereas my bigger games 
came more on the competitive travel leagues. My bigger games came more in um, the uh, the tournaments over the weekends, the the, the travel, the higher travel league uh, seasons or league uh, travel leagues entirely. Um, so that's where more of my my higher level soccer came, um, and it was just you know there were a few times, especially early on in travel, where sometimes the, I guess the moment got a little bit. Yeah, I got myself amped up a little bit, and I had to learn. I remember after that game, I had to learn. Hey, you you've got to have. It's good to come out hard in that first half, but you got to have some gas in the tank left over. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, actually, my biggest now that I think of it, my biggest event uh, came in track, not soccer. Track eighth grade. I went to invitationals, and I ran the eight hundred, and I finished dead last because I was a sprinter number one. And they're like, you're going to do it. And I said, okay. So like you said, like you did, I, I, like a sprinter mentality, I came right out of the starting gate just hauling it. And I was like, yeah, I'm leading the pack. And I was like, wait, there's like two laps around the track. I usually run like the 200. And uh, I finished dead last. People, I had the pity clap. Everybody was pity clapping oh, no, for me. no, not the, not the, <laughs> and, and, no. and I was, I was crying because of the shame that I was under. And um, I finished the race, and everybody was like, "Good job, good job." I was like, "Please stop touching me." <laughs> but like, I I I was so amped up, and I was like, "I'm just gonna lap all these people." And I was like, "These people run this like these guys run the 1600. <laughs> this is nothing for them." And 800 is just a warm up for I them. No, it was so bad. I still hate that to this day. Can I tell you that happened to one of our one and and uh, one of our athletes? This was about three years ago. He was an eight hundred runner and a sixteen hundred runner, and he you know he was very very good. But going into uh, our meet against my alma mater, Niagara Falls, we had there was a great kid um, who was uh, he was state. I mean, predicted to be a state champion in the eight hundred, and all our my one of my my eight hundred runners, he was you know, coach, I'm gonna beat him. Coach, I'm gonna beat him. I don't want to say last names or whatever, but coach, I'm gonna beat him. I'm going. I'm gonna beat him. Like, all right, you know, let's go out, give it your race, run your race, run a smart race. I'm gonna beat him. I'm gonna beat him. And we're we're, you know, talking with other coaches, and um, sure enough, he goes out, and in that first 400, he's ahead of him. He's probably got a good 10, 15 uh, meter lead, and he's like, wow. He's about five seconds. Off. He's about five seconds like under his pace. He's running awesome, and sure enough, he gets to that back about the six hundred meter mark, and it's just like, ooh, he's going back. Ooh, he's fading back. Ooh, he's fading back. And sure enough, you know the the other uh, the the other team's runner beat him by a significant margin. But you know what? It was a. Uh, it was a learning lesson for him. He was he was I believe a junior or a senior or a junior or a sophomore and he he learned all right, I don't care who I'm playing against, who I'm running against. I've got to run a smart race. I've no better than that. That was a rookie mistake. I shouldn't have done that. And it's uh, <laughs> it's unfortunate and he took a little razzing from his teammates cuz I think he finished like 4th or 5th in that race when he's I think he went into that race undefeated. And he, you know, he took some razzing, even as coaches. We gave him a little razzing, but <laughs> we let him know that, hey, you've got you've to gotta learn from this. Yeah. And he did. And it's, it's funny that you said that. You get that. You get so fired up for that race, and you're like, oh, oh, no. You just, you run out of gas. 
and you you come amped up. So um, uh, we're gonna leave on uh, before actually before we go into the coach's hot seat. How excited are we about this Bills season? How excited are we? How excited are we? I'm so excited. I can't wait. I'm not going to lie, and this is aging me right now. I haven't been this excited about a Bills season until the early 90s when I was just like between the ages of 10 to 15, 16 years old. Justin, I'm so, uh, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm old. That's such a weird range. You're like from like well, from ninety to ninety four. I mean, they're going to four straight Super Bowls. Fair, fair, fair. I mean, we hey, we were loving. I was loving life as a preteen and teenage, early teenage uh, child. The Bills were fantastic. But I've never been so excited about a Bills team this year. I'm. How are you guys feeling about this? Anxious, excited, ready to go. But like, I wish the season could start today. Personally, so do I. Uh, I mean, what are your, what are your, what are the biggest things? Not, not that this, I don't want this to turn into a Bills chat here, but um, why not? This is Buffalo. <laughs> Go Bills. <laughs> Go Bills. What do you think our biggest strengths and biggest weaknesses are? If, oh. if we could sum them up. Oh, that's a good question. I think our offense this year. I think we find. I think Josh Allen took a huge step last year. I think it's going to get even better. Um, but I think our big strength this year. I think you're going to see a big improvement in the run game. I think we've got the offensive line that can open up more holes this year. I think we've, we're just going to see big improvement. I think Singletary is going to go off, and I'm predicting at least 1,200 yards from him this year. I think he's going to go off and have a, a, a great season. I think Josh Allen is still going to have a great season. I'm not predicting, predicting him to take a step back or anything, so watch the uh, n- no negative comments. <laughs> I still think he's going to go off, but I think Singletary is going to pull – a Josh Allen huge improvement this year, and he's going to be, he's going to take a huge step forward. Um, I think if anything, our we we might be a little weak on that second corner spot, um, but I'm hoping uh, we've got some of those players like Levi Wallace can continue to take a big step up, and we can lock that down. But that's my uh, that's my positives and negatives, I guess, on the Bills take. Um, Matt, what do you think, Megan? Oh, you know, <laughs> Josh Allen. Josh Allen's the goat. I'm gonna. I'm going like none of this Tom Brady crap here. Obviously, you know, because I'm from Buffalo, it still makes sense. But still, like, you know, I hope I hope a run game goes well. I'm really excited for that wide receiver core, though. We 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 have so many good weapons that Josh can throw to now, and I just I just love burning defenses deep we got Diggs, we got sanders we got cole beasley that is in our draft team which also i hope he does but he he's a beast he plays he plays games with broken femurs and he doesn't care <laughs> um gabriel davis is a after coming off a highlight rookie season he's got he's got good looks our offensive line is giving josh allen plenty of time just to sit back there and like you said i think the only thing that i'm worried about is that secondary not not the whole secondary just that one just that one little spot but even even wallet, like anybody we put in there could step up because we got leaders on the field no matter what. Good coaching. Uh, the Bills Mafia will be back this year, so I think that's also going to just add another aspect to those things. Because man, that that stadium is going to be deafening. It's going to be rocking, and I'm not going to lie. I I tried hard to get that to get tickets for that first game. I think it sold out in like ten seconds. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it is. Um, I can't wait to hear 
that stadium, whatever game I go to this year, because I'm still trying to get tickets to some game. Halloween. 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 Listen, I'm in. Play Miami. I'm in. Let's go. Let's make it happen. A little. We'll do a, a stories from the sideline edition at the Bills game. <laughs> hey, man. We'll do it in the parking lot while we're tailgating. Absolutely. But I'm just – that's one thing. I mean, obviously, it, it would have been nice if they win a Super Bowl ever. But just <laughs> – which I think it's coming soon. But just – I think it would have been a little it, – it would have taken a little steam off it if we won the AFC championship and went to the Super Bowl with only 15, 1,800 people. I forgot how much in the crowd. Right. That's why I, it's going to be nice this year when we get to the Super Bowl, win another AFC championship, and we're taking down the goalposts like we did all those, against the Raiders, against everybody else that we beat in those AFC championship games. I want Patrick Mahomes in that stadium crying in the <laughs> AFC championship. It's going to be like that Steph Diggs picture where he was he yeah. was teared up at the end. This time it's going to be Mahomes. I want his head up. in his hands. Yes. I want him defeated <laughs> emotionally and physically. <laughs> All right, Megan, any thoughts on the Bills season this year? So a little backstory on myself here. Oh, okay. <laughs> I grew up in Rochester. My Woo. dad. I mean, like I, I wasn't a huge football person growing up. My dad is not a Bills fan. And he's we one won't of those, hold it against I him. know, but he's one of those people that right, like, makes hates the Bills and kind of trolls Bills fans. Like, he'll purposely, like, poke the bear to, like, get under Bills fans' skin. That's just... I have a lot of Bills fans in my family, but my dad's the one who's just like, oh, they suck. Everybody you know? Makes I, exactly. So I grew up with that, you know? I grew up, um, you know, by blood, hating the Bills a little bit until I moved to Buffalo. And I remember my freshman year when I was moving into my dorm, that was the one thing my dad said. He's like, oh, God, you're probably going to come home a Bills fan. I was like, no, Dad, that'll never happen. So last year, last season before the season began, I I went home and I sat my dad down. I'm like, listen, I got to tell you something, and I need you to sit down. (laughs) Had to have a little heart-to-heart, Dad. Yeah, and I mean, like, he looked nervous, (laughs) and I don't think I ever make him really feel nervous like that. So I don't know what he thought was coming. I'm like, you know, I've been in Buffalo for this. I'm going to five, six years now. And like every every year I'm there, this thing just keeps happening. And I keep feeling a certain way. And it's like <laughs> the feeling is growing. And I just re- I've been really scared to tell you because I don't know what this is going to do to our relationship. But, Dad, I think I'm a Bills fan. <laughs> he said, get out of my house. Jokingly, you got to know my dad. He's great. I love him. But, um, you know, I came out as a Bills fan last year before our season. And it was their best season ever. So now I, they got to win. Listen, it's it's coming. It's coming home. And also, it's coming. Do they have a wild goose? Wild goose? Like what? What is the name? There's like, yeah, one of the secondaries. Yeah, uh, I want to say I get the first name. I want to say it's Richard, but I know there is a wild goose. I want uh, now the cuts. The cuts at this point of taping hasn't come out yet. Yeah. So I haven't seen. I don't know if he's made the team, but I I want to say he's fighting for the backup safety position. Well, I know I know he's fighting for a spot, and that's why I'm like I just want a wild goose jersey. That's such a fun name. Yeah, that's <laughs> pretty awesome. We got some pretty good names this year we too. We do. And a little shout out to uh, uh, Nate Dog and Warren G. Warren G.'s son is trying to make the uh, Elijah Griffith is trying to make the uh, one of the spots for cornerback. So I'm hoping that uh, it'd be cool to have uh, the uh, one of the uh, the son of the original regulator on uh, the team, little War, uh, little Warren G there. So that's uh, again showing how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, let's get ready for the coaches' hot seat. The five questions that put you on the hot seat. These could oh, be no. about sports. These could be a- about. Anything, Megan? I don't know. Were you you were here for a coach's hot seat? I think. I think when, that was your first one. I yeah. think you were you were here with Ian for the first ever coach's 
hot seat. I know last last week the the most popular question was your favorite Keanu Reeves movie. Mm. I think yeah, that Mike, one. Mike loved that one. I, think... I actually um just got a new plant and I named it Keanu Leaves. So. <laughs> Keanu Leaves. I love it. Now that leads us funny the shed names because that leads us to our first question. What is either your favorite name that you've named your dog personally or that you've heard somebody else name their dog? Like favorite dog name that you've heard. Does it have to be a dog? Uh, all right, we can go with pet. If you're being a little picky about it, I'll I'll, I'll make the hot seat a little <laughs> a little cooler. Well, I don't care. Favorite, I fa- favorite pet name. Favorite pet name that you've heard or that you just love in general. But 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 yeah. <laughs> my cousins named their cat but 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 i love it. it when we had our cat we named our we named it kitty so that was oh i had, a, I had a kitty we had a cat just named kitty i had a kitty um i didn't have cats or dogs growing up i've never i've never had one so well, all right fish fish favorite fish even, name I don't even know. bubbles well i'll also say my favorite dog name it might be i don't know like Classic, but Winston. I really like the name Winston. Winston. I could see that as like a like a big greyhound or, or yeah. something like that. Like a yeah. big, a very distinguished gentleman. Very distinguished. I <laughs> very, like that. Yeah. Very classy. I know it's funny you said for fish. I remember uh, my stepdaughter Sarah, who was on the podcast a couple week o- weeks ago, when she was in sixth grade uh, at the Clarence uh, Labor Day Fair. Oh yeah. Um, she won a goldfish, and that fish ended up lasting, I think, five or six years. And we named it, uh, jokingly, I named it Anchovy. So that was, that was our fish pet's name. I'm going that as the favorite name, uh, Anchovy. I was going to say, that was my, my last fish was a like, carnival fish, and I had it for years, and I named it Fish. I'm not going to lie. I did not fish, think... Fish, but like a PH? <laughs> oh, that would have been good. I did. <laughs> right? <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie. I don't know how... The, I wasn't expecting this thing to last more than a week, and I think it lasted, I think it lasted almost five years. Yeah. They last a whole stupid <laughs> fair fish. So I love it. So that's the that's the favorite pet names. Uh Winston, Anchovy, and Butt Butt. I gotta say that might be that might be my new favorite. Butt Butt. <laughs> and you said it was a cat? Yeah. Got hit by a car. But it's, oh no. Aww. It's alright. That was when I was younger. All right. Speaking of cars. One <laughs> transition. 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 I love it. I love it when a plan works together. Transitioning to a favorite cars not even favorite cars but just one car you just for whatever reason you want to own money's not an issue anything's not an issue just doesn't even care if it's practical one car you want to own i'm going to start it off i want to own a delorean i don't care what anybody thinks i want to own a delorean i don't care i just i want to own a delorean and i want to get it up to 88 miles per hour I want a DeLorean. Because it can only go to 88 miles per hour. <laughs> I don't care. I want that DeLorean. That's my, that's my just, that, that's my car I want. Megan, Matt, what's your guy's car? Doesn't matter how practical it is, whatever. What's, what's your guy's car that you want? I'm not a big car person, Larry. It could, be, just... a, it could be whatever. I will say, though, the first car I ever, like, fell in love with was before I even had my permit, and it was, like, basically in a junkyard, an old Chevy Blazer. And I don't know what it was, Ugh. but, like, I, I... And I think they're ugly, honestly. Like, I see them now, and I think they're such ugly cars, but I just love this car for whatever reason, and... Hey, that's I don't cool. Know. <laughs> Nothing wrong with a Chevy Blazer. They're reliable. Matt? I want a Mercedes Yeti. A Mercedes... A Mercedes Yeti? Yeah. 
I, I've it's never... like a G wagon, but bigger. Okay. Yeah. I was gonna say, obviously, no Mercedes. I've never heard of the Mercedes. Something Yeti. huge. So just want to just roll into that part, like, and let everybody know that I'm here. Oh yeah, I love it. I already got my entire life planned out to the point where I can actually afford it. All right. <laughs> and and when is that? When is that year that you can actually afford it? Forty. Forty. All right. So when you're old, an old guy like me, you so can I can afford. pull into the school parking lot that I work at. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, favorite song that just for whatever reason you lose your mind to, like just this is it. Like when the when this song comes on, I've got to turn it up. I have got to crank it. I don't care where I am. I don't care if I'm in my car. I don't care if I'm going to church. Wherever I've got to, I hear this song. I've got to crank it up. What's what's that favorite song that you've got to you've got to rock out to? Matt, <laughs> anything by MGK. Anything by okay. MGK. Uh, not only because I share his his my initials are MGK and he goes by MGK. Um, that's just a happy coincidence. Um, he just. <laughs> I don't know. For the past like two years, I've really been vibing with him, and uh, you know how Spotify had like that like recap of like your year and like showed you what you listened to most. I was in like the top point like two percent of people that lived to MGK like all the all time. Right. So anything but MGK, I, uh, I I'm here for that. it. Yeah, I respect that. I love it, Megan. I love all music, and I think my my biggest problem is I go through phases with music where there's a song I will be like in love with and then three months later i pl- i've like played it out too much that i just need to turn it off i don't know sucker by the jonas brothers oh larry <laughs> <laughs> larry larry can kill any Ruin kind of song, song for any of us yes there's a song of the suburbs baby we got to have songs of the suburb i will say um carry on crosby still nash crosby wow stills nash and young slow down i know i can't talk today um, that's just like an all-time favorite of mine. I have like a memory sending it with my dad in the car, like harmonizing and stuff. So I think every time I hear that, I'm like, it just it's a feel-good song for me. All right, I love it. For me, it's I don't know why. Well, actually, I know why. I love this song, ACDC Thunderstruck. I'm yeah, just I, I don't care where I am. I gotta turn it up again. I know I'm showing my age. I don't care. I love that. I think it's timeless. I think it's classic. If I ever need to get myself fired up for anything, or if I ever just hear that song on the radio like on your way to church on the way to church <laughs> getting so fired I, I, i'm cranking so i can hear that 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 uh sermon of the day i'm cranking it up loud and i know there's been times i don't care there's been times where i've rolled up to practice and that song comes on and i'm cranking it loud and i'm not leaving my car until that song's done even though i'm getting looks from my kids outside coach what are you doing what are you doing why is it so loud i'm listening to thunderstruck and i'm it. i'm rocking out um Next question, if you could be a Ninja Turtle, what <laughs> what Ninja Turtle would you be? Raphael, Leonardo, Michelangelo, or Donatello? Donatello. Oh, me too. Donatello. Donatello. Why Donatello? I don't. So um, me and my sister, when I was younger, I used to have this uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle-like uh, game for the PlayStation and she was always Leonardo, and I was always Donatello, and I don't know why. But um, as I got older and stuff like that, my friends so nicely said, like, you could be Donatello. I'm like, why? It's like, because you have glasses. I'm like, but you also have glasses. Like, yeah, but, you know, 
So, but I'm fine with Donatello. He's the smart guy, but he can, like, kick butt with a stick. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, Donatello's smart, and I think that's why. Yeah. Like, just... Plus, purple's, like, awesome. Yes, purple's my The power color. of purple. So, two Donatellos here. Um... I'm torn. Part of me wants to pick uh, Michelangelo, the little uh, the little goofy guy, or whatever. The other, I, I think I'm going to lean more towards uh, towards Raffi, Raphael. Yeah. I Are think, you moody? I, I can be moody. I can definitely be <laughs> moody. I can definitely. Uh, I like to think that I'm what I, I, I'm calm, cool, and collected. But at that same time, if you set me off, look out. I'm going to go. I, I I'd like to think um, I, I, I probably relate a little bit more to Raphael. Uh, and I know sometimes in his, in the cart the early cartoons he could, his temper could kind of get the best of him yeah. or whatever. But that's uh, I guess that's the um, Ninja Turtle that I relate to. And can I tell you the best toy ever was the Ninja Turtle van that shoots out the pizzas yes. from the top. I remember seeing those commercials. I love that. I, my my cousin had that. Uh, we never had that as a kid, but my cousin had that. And anytime we went over to his house, so we, cool. we're just running out and you're pushing the button and little pizza discs are flying out of the top. I will say there's no show that has made me want pizza like the Ninja Turtles. Like the, how stringy so the cheese is. Oh, I'm telling you. I don't know how they weren't yes. sponsored by Pizza Hut I or know. Domino's or Papa John's or something. Y'all missing out on that. I just, <laughs> can I be Master Splinter? Can I be I, Jesse? <laughs> What about Jesse, guys? Was Je- Jesse was Jesse was the hockey guy, hockey That's guy with right. April. I was gonna say they kind of phased him out. I was gonna say was he the reporter, but no, that was April O'Neil. Yeah, mm-hmm. Jesse. I'll, Jesse I'll was the moody Jesse. bad boy. Yeah, Jesse or Splinter. Splinter's. I think Splinter's just the wise guy. I um, am an art teacher, so I love the Ninja Turtles because they're all Renaissance artists. Mm-hmm. So I love like when I teach about like Michelangelo, and I'm like not the Ninja Turtle, and my kids <laughs> think it's funny. It's like so. no, we're gonna talk about uh, Leonardo, not the Ninja Turtle. <laughs> I should do that. I should make a PowerPoint like do like Michelangelo, and then have the first slide be the Ninja Turtle, be like oh. Wait, no, not him, not him. <laughs> not this one. I love it. Let's get their attention right <laughs> off the bat. Um, and last one, I guess, kind of falls under the same thing. Um, what wrestler would you be? Jeff Hardy. All right, I kind of set Matt up there for something. <laughs> but, he's, but he's going Jeff Hardy. Um, Megan, what wrestler or manager or whoever in the WWE, WWF days, whatever, AEW, whatever's out there now, what wrestler would you be? Clearly Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I love kidding. it. Obviously Miss Elizabeth. But. Miss, I was going to say. Were you going to set me? Was, I was, set, I was setting you guys up. Was I was setting you set guys up. up. I was totally setting you guys up for little Miss, Miss uh, Elizabeth and uh, Macho Man Randy Savage over there. I was setting you guys up. I'm not that kind of guy, though. <laughs> I know you're not. And- All the people who are out there, park camp people, you guys will you guys will know the setup there. But no, I was totally setting you up. But <laughs> Jeff Hardy, still respectable. The the flying off the top ropes, the crazy I hair. I had those arm things. I made my own arm things. I painted my face once. Like I'm a diehard Jeff Hardy fan. I was gonna say All now right. he was he was more he was the brother who had more of the wild hair. The, yep. the okay colorful face painting. He um he got a bigger push. He got like the world championships and stuff like that. Um, he was a high flyer. Yeah, he was a guy that would just like jump off of anything. And the other brother, Matt, right? Matt yep. Hardy. He yep. was the one who was a little more low key, a little bit more reserved, I guess. Reserved, more like just like a regular, you know, wrestler, you know, fundamental stuff like that. Jeff Hardy was like he'd jump off from like the top of things just cause. Sweet for me, the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be, Brett 
the Hitman heart. Yes. Um, I just, I like the, I love the music that he came out to. I love the whole, you know, where he gave the his glasses to the little kid. I love how he was more in, in the in the era of big guys slamming, jumping off. He was more of the technical tactician, more of the I'm going to beat you. I guess uh, before MMA got in there, he was more of the grappler, more of the guy yeah. who was who was a legit wrestler, wrestler. Um, that was always my favorite as a little kid, just Brett the Hitman Hart. Did you ever see like that um... – I don't know. It was kind of like, did you ever see like that documentary? That's the word um, on Bret Hart and like about like his dad and stuff. Yeah, yeah, like how like they would like he like would put huge guys in these simple holds and make them just like pass out from the pain. Yeah, he would keep them in there until he would. Uh, what do you call them? Stretching them out. Yeah, basically until they would either pass out or even while they're begging for mercy. And Bret yeah. even said that uh, you know as a little kid. Because the gym, the the, the wrestling dungeon. ring was in the dungeon, yeah. was in their basement of their house. So even Brett, as a little kid, he's hearing his dad train these wrestlers, and basically it sounds like guys getting tortured. Yeah, um, and it was just, and even he, he remembers days where his dad would teach him, and he didn't hold anything back. He would. He, Brett remembered days where his dad would make him tap, make him pass out. I think that like is also like really cool because he obviously wanted to wrestling you know wwf at the time where it was fake but like brett was still doing everything that he was taught and he was just doing it in a way that wouldn't hurt him but like if he just did something a slight different way he could be actually severely hurting them oh yeah he 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 was doing nothing fake he was just not doing it like enough yeah he's not putting it especially his move was the sharpshooter yeah that could really hurt you that could take out your knee but like you said he if he would have gone Maybe a quarter, whatever, half or more. You're in trouble. You're in pain. But he knew how to keep it off. He knew how to do just enough. Or maybe if even you you felt it, but right. you're not you're no, not putting anybody he was in a danger. Class, he was a classy person, like you know that you could feel safe with in the ring. Absolutely, but make it look devastating at the same time. Make it look devastating. You know, I'm thinking of it. I should. I I kind of set myself. I should have said Stone Cold. I was gonna. I was thinking. I was like, is he gonna say Stone Cold? And I was like, Matt started us off with the wrong answer. So I can't lie. Man. No, I know. I know. You have passion for this. I, I found should've... my. I found my tank top just the other day, actually, and I was like, oh, when am I gonna wear this again? Can I tell you what we were doing that whole sumo wrestling thing this summer or whatever for for park camp? And when I came out there. And I'm trying to get like, and I'm getting all serious face, like staring you down in the middle of the ring. And I just see you laughing. And all I'm thinking of like, nope, I'm not breaking character. I'm not going to break character. And I'm just like, I'm literally, we did a whole sumo wrestling slash old school wrestling thing for, for camp this year. And I'm nose to nose with you. And you've got a big smile on your face. And I'm like. I'm just don't make me laugh. Don't I know, laugh. but I wasn't. It wasn't because I was laughing, but I was smiling because I was so happy that everything worked out to the way that it was supposed to. Like listeners at home, I can't even explain to you that every single kid at this camp was like jumping up and down, screaming for Larry. They were so happy he came out. I was clapping for you. I wasn't supposed to be clapping for you. Like I just I mean, like I was like yes, it was this amazing. is what he wanted. It was. For those, let me let me clue everybody in here. For those of you guys, we'll, we'll take you a little behind the curtain here. Um, for those of you guys who don't know, all three of us work at the Park Summer Day Camp, so we'll give you guys a little plug there. The Park Camp, um, uh, we were we every Wednesday we do Sumo Wednesday. Thursday, um, Thursday sorry, Thursday. <laughs> every Thursday we do Sumo Thursday, um, and 
it's the kids go out there with the big belly bumper suits and they'll sumo and you got to knock them out of the ring. But this year we usually do counselor battles. This year we we started it off with it was just going to be every every week it was going to be two new. Uh, I wanted the counselors to kind of go big or go home, like create either their own character or an own WWE character, whatever. And the Wednesday before we were, it was going to be Matt and Dan, um, who were going to do our first characters. Dan, who was on the show uh, week one, um, he they were going to do characters, but nobody really knew what they were going to do. And I remember Megan was going to be Matt's manager. And we all three of us, literally the Wednesday after camp, we were talking about it. And I, I forget who came up with the idea. It was just Macho Man. And it was, yes. And Ma- Matt became Macho Matt. And uh, Megan was Miss Elizabeth. And even during that first matchup with, with Dan, they went at it. And at that point, we had it wasn't scripted. It was just, all right, whoever wins is going to be crowned our champion. And they'll go against somebody new. But Matt got such a huge uh, reaction from the kids when he came out. Um, after about like ten seconds in the match, you know they're going at it. I'm looking at Dan. I'm like, Dan, fall down, because I knew at that point I wanted Matt to win. And it was next week. He played. He he built up. He became the Macho Matt villain, and he built it up again, and he built it up again, and he built it up. So then by week six, I came in because I always came out to Stone Cold's music and did just the. The announcing of it, I was the uh, referee, I guess. And um, week six, I was nowhere to be found. Macho Matt comes out. Where's I'm gonna, you know, Larry's scared. Larry's. I come out dressed up as Stone Cold, as the in the uh, the skull T-shirt, and it went better than I did this whole summer. With the sumo things went better than I thought it could ever go. Like, I kid you not, he came to my class afterwards and kids were asking him to sign their shirt. And he did. <laughs> it was insane. <laughs> so I had my little 15 seconds of uh, wrestler fame there. You had your 15 seconds of wrestler fame. I had six weeks of getting booed and hissed <laughs> and all name callings and constant bombardment of insults. Like, we were going to stop at week four because it got so bad. Like, you forgot to leave. You left that part out, Larry. <laughs> How Matt became the ultimate villain in park camp history. But you know what? You were such a That's trooper. why it worked so well for you. <laughs> Hey, you, you, yeah. uh, you were, you were the unsung hero of the summer by <laughs> far. All right, as much as I'd love to sit here and talk more about sumo wrestling, more about bills, more about sports, um, we're gonna wrap things up. Thank you, Megan, for coming on and being our guest again this week and doing such an amazing job. Uh, Matt, as always, thank you for coming along for the ride with me. Uh, We'll have more next week, more stories from the sidelines. Everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you guys again next week. Bye, everyone. from the future telling you that your dream is going to come true. What? No way! Yeah, you're going to have an awesome podcast called Let's Talk But No Politics, okay? And new episodes come out every Sunday on... Beyonce!